Take your Bibles today and go to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5. We will be in a couple different places today, but we'll begin in a few minutes here in one of our passages in 1 Peter, chapter 5. We have been working our way through this series in the new year of here is the church. What is God's purpose and intention and plan for his church that he has established in the finished work of Jesus Christ? The manifestation of God's kingdom on this earth is the church. And last week we began looking at this idea of what is a pastor? What is a pastor called to do and be uh, in the plan of God's church. We looked at the foundation of the church. We looked at the purposes. We're looking at the pastor, and we will continue on in the next uh, several weeks looking at the other parts uh, of the people of the church that make up God's uh, church, specifically, of course, then within the local context of those church. And today, um, you, you see on your bulletin there, there were three points. I covered the first point last time. We'll cover the other, next two a little bit faster. We'll get through both points to finish out this service today or this sermon today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we open God's word. Father, thank you for the time we have set aside to study the word of God together today. We ask that you would use your word in a powerful way in our hearts, that you would convict us of sin, that you would show us Jesus Christ. Lord, for one who may be here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you and you alone, that you would speak to them through your word today. Show them their need for the Savior. Lord, for Christians today, members of your church, would you use your word in a powerful way to continue to point out our sin, to call us to rely on the Holy Spirit to live for the glory of the kingdom of God. Lord, we want to be a church that... Uh, works uh, for the kingdom of God, not that, that, that seeks to go about meeting some personal agendas uh, or serving our own thoughts of what we may need, but we want, to, uh, we want to do a church in a way that is acceptable in your sight, oh God, our strength and our redeemer. Lord, we pray that you would use your word in our hearts, you would be magnified and glorified in it, your name we pray, amen. Serving as a pastor sometimes leads to interesting questions and conversations. People sometimes wonder, what does a pastor do the rest of the week since he only works on Sundays? <laughs> Other people want to know uh, what it's like being the one who runs the church, right? Um, which is really a misconception, right, of, I hope you understand that, of the pastor. You know, it's one that we had to teach our own kids, you know, when we first became, got into ministry. My, my son was six, and he would go around to people, my dad runs the church. <laughs> okay, you know. Uh, maybe we need to talk about that. Uh, pastoring with, can bring with it a, a host of responsibilities. Uh, once again, as we've said before, what God says in his word is what is to be our primary concern and focus if we want to be a church that glorifies and honors God in what we do. The Bible sets forth the roles a pastor is commissioned to fulfill and some specific duties pastors are expected to carry out. God outlines the biblical mandates throughout his word for his under-shepherds to follow for his glory. I'll remind you of the theme that we set forth last week is this. A pastor is called by God to lead God's people in conduct, serve God's mission in overseeing God's church, and minister to God's people as an under-shepherd of Jesus, the good shepherd. A pastor is 
to be an example for the flock that God has entrusted to him. Uh, that as you look at the life of the pastor that God has set over you, whether it be here or you're in another body, that that, that person that God has given, that man that God has set up, uh, should be leading the way to, uh, to help you to grow and change spiritually. And he oversees the, the, the local ministry that God has placed him in, all while doing this uh, to serve the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And so last week when we were here, uh, we, we, we spent the whole time in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and we looked at the qualifications that God sets forth uh, for a pastor. I'm not going to take the time to review those. Uh, you can go back and listen to that online if you'd like to catch up on that or review what was said there. But we see that, that God puts in the heart of a man a godly desire to be a pastor, and there's some qualifications towards godly character that God expects a pastor to have. And so that leads us then today uh, to the roles of a pastor that God puts forth in his word. What are the roles that a pastor fulfills? We'll talk about what, what are the things that pastors do, but, but there's specifically, in God's word, Three different words that are used interchangeably to describe pastors, and they each communicate a little bit of a different role here. I want to point you to a couple of verses, and then we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, a verse we read last week, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, we read in verses 1 through 4 this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory." In these three passages that we've looked at, uh, there are three terms, three roles, three uh, words that the, that the scripture uses to describe the roles that pastors fill. The first one we found there in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 is this role of shepherd teacher. And all three of these terms that you're going to see highlight facets of a pastor's calling and role and the New Testament uses them uh, interchangeably with one another. And in fact, in just a minute, you'll see again in 1 Peter, as you may have caught as you read through there, um, each of these terms are used there describing the role that Peter is calling those pastors to fulfill. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is listing some of the gifted individuals that God gives to the church for the equipping of the saints. We'll look at that side of it here in a little bit. But on this list, as you get to the end of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, is this phrase, shepherds and teachers. Now, when you go back and you, you read out the Greek wording there, you'll find that, that the word, the way that's worded in the Greek, shepherds and teachers are, are connected. They're, you cannot disconnect those. There aren't two different ideas, some shepherds and some teachers, but the idea is a shepherd teacher, or sometimes you hear the term pastor teacher. Pastor is a word that, that we derive from Latin, and it means shepherd. And so I've gone with the more literal translation of shepherd teacher. 
This word describes one of the roles that a pastor has. He is the shepherd of the people in his local body of believers. If you, have, if you are familiar with the, the imagery of the scriptures, you know then that God uses sheep and shepherds to describe his relationship to his people over and over again. Uh, many have observed that God calls his people, whether they be the Israelites or the church today, sheep, because we act a lot like sheep, right? Not the brightest animals in the bunch. I know, I just called us all not bright, okay? But you understand how, how shepherds have to care and guide and direct their flock, and that's exactly how God describes his relationship to his people. That's how he describes his relationship to us. And Jesus cares for, him, for us as a shepherd. Jesus himself declared in the book of John that he is the good shepherd. He gives life to the sheep. And so when it comes to the leader of a local church, Jesus or God uses this, this illustration once again. That, that we, okay, as we, like the, the, the Israelites would say, we, we as well would say we are the sheep of his pasture. And so we who are saved by faith alone in Christ are sheep in God's flock. So he has therefore set shepherds over the flock to help his sheep. And again, I want to note from the outset, pastors are not the shepherd. There is only one good shepherd, that is Jesus Christ. Pastors are, the term I use most often is under shepherds. They are commissioned by God to minister to the sheep. Pastors are appointed by God to lead and guide and care for and love God's sheep. And this is a very picturesque description of what a pastor is and what he does. As a physical shepherd cares for his sheep, pastors also care for the sheep that God has placed in their care. And all the while, they are called to help them grow in Christ's likeness. And if you have picked up on this, that what Paul is emphasizing here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 is that shepherds are to be teachers to the flock. With the assistance of the Holy Spirit, pastors are called to instruct God's people in God's ways. The primary function of a pastor is to feed God's sheep. That's what he's called to do. Now, there are, we're going to see there are other things that God has commissioned them to do, but the first and foremost role that a pastor is fulfill is to feed God's sheep. With, and God places a, a premium on pastors feeding God's people the word of God. Now, listen, in our own lives as Christians, we each need personal time with the Lord. That is clearly communicated in the scriptures, that individually we are responsible to study the scriptures for ourselves. You cannot get away from that if you are a believer. But we are also expected to receive biblical instruction from the shepherd of a local flock. It is a, a major part of a pastor's role then to be this teacher guiding the flock in a way that honors God. He is a shepherd teacher. Secondly, we saw in the, the verse, again, in, in Peter, but also in Timothy, that there is the, uh, the role of an overseer. Now, sometimes in the English translation, you'll run across the word bishop as translated as well. And again, I think bishop has, is one of those words. It, it's a fine word. Uh, over the years, perhaps its meaning has been hijacked by other denominations in what it means. Um, it comes from the Greek word episkopos, which means overseeing and supervising. Hence, I use the word, and our translation here uses the word overseer. It also, though, carries the idea of one who is a guardian. 
As an overseer, a pastor is charged with administrating and managing all that goes on in a local church. And I want to hasten to say this does not mean that a pastor performs every ministry of a local church. But he is responsible before the Lord for what goes on in that church. As a pastor, I answer to God for what goes on in the local church that God has entrusted to me. That's my role. That's the role of any pastor. Now, a pastor may not always know the nuances of everything that goes on, but there should be nothing going on without his knowledge and consent if it's an official representation of the local church. This is not to be confused with an issue of control, but of responsibility. And there's a fine line there. I understand that, that over the years, at times, pastors have overstepped that from responsibility to controlling everything that goes on inside a church. A pastor is responsible before the Lord for, as, the, as the presiding human officer of that local church. Now, the pastor is, is not the definition of that church. The Lord is the one that he points people to. He is the one that he upholds. He must present the church's work then, though, before the Lord. He must present himself and his work to the chief shepherd. That's the responsibility of a pastor in the role of overseer. It's his job. It's his calling. This word here describes what a pastor does. He's the overseer of God's work in that place where God has put him. And then lastly, in these passages, we see this word elder. Now, in the New Testament, the word that is used most often to describe pastors is this word, elder. It emphasizes and describes who the pastor is, that he is the leader of that local church. It, 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 what it speaks of, the word speaks of, of maturity, and so within this context it speaks specifically of, of spiritual maturity. If you remember last week in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul was clear in the qualification of a pastor, he is not to be a new believer, one who is, the word literally meant, newly planted. There has to be some sort of spiritual experience and, and qualities of experience leadership. God has ordained that pastors are to lead his people. They are to give direction and vision to the local church in which they serve. They are to lead people closer to the Lord. They are to lead a church for the glory of God. And we, are, we have to recognize that a church, like any other organization, needs a leader. It needs someone who is going to set the course. It needs someone who at the end of the day says, this is what we're going to do. This is the call we're going to make. They need someone to declare the doctrine and the practices of that local body. And God says this person is a pastor, is an elder. So the term elder describes who a pastor is. An overseer describes what he does. And and pastor teacher, you could say, describes his heart and the way he approaches the ministry. And all of these come together to emphasize the role of the pastor in the church. And so when we look at the role of a pastor, let's point our attention now to 1 Peter chapter 5 that we just looked at. And see how Peter puts these together. He says, I exhort the elders among you. Peter exhorts, or you can say it this way, he compels fellow elders to carry out these God-ordained roles. He, he calls on these men who are the leaders of the church to do what? To shepherd the flock of God in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God. He called on them to feed and care for those 
who were entrusted to them. He called on these leaders to oversee God's people as was their service to the Lord. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. He called for these leaders who were entrusted with such a ministry to understand that that they're going to give an account to God for what they do. Pastors bear this burden, and every pastor does, that that one day, whether it's here day by day, but, but in the end, too, at the judgment, he will bear an account to God for what he has done for the kingdom of God, leading God's people in a church. Now, we all are going to answer to God for what we do. But there is an extra level that a pastor has in his life to answer for for what God has, has called him to do. So Peter compels pastors then to engage in the ministry that they've been given for the right reasons. It is not, Peter says, a compulsory service. It is not as one who is forced to be faithful, but one who voluntarily submits himself to God's calling on his life. The pastorate, Peter says, is is also not for those who are seeking personal riches or to set up little kingdoms over which they make themselves rulers. Instead, pastors are to set an example for the flocks Uh, For the flock as one's committed to serving the Lord. He says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is how a pastor is to go about performing his roles. He is to, to say, I'm here to serve the chief shepherd. I'm here to serve God by serving his His sheep. And they go about these things not to, to set up a, a little kingdom or to, to make sure that I have a cushy lifestyle, whatever, but because this is what God has, has called me to do for the honor and glory of him. And so therefore, Peter says, because we answer to God, God makes an incredible promise to a faithful pastor. He says in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The one who carries out God's work in a way that pleases God, may expect a reward from the Lord. Peter calls this an unfading crown of glory for God's faithful shepherds. As I mentioned last week, being a pastor is following the calling that God places on your life. It's not a, a career decision. It's not a, well, I don't know what else I'm going to do, so I'm going to be a pastor. It's, it's God clearly setting apart and calling those to the ministry. And it's something that every, every man should be open to asking the Lord if this is what God is calling him to do. It is caring for God's people, therefore it must be done God's way. And so when the chief shepherd appears, he will reward his faithful under-shepherds. Peter does not say here that God rewards those who have X amount of people in their church or led X amount of people to the Lord or did this or did that. He rewards those who, who do these things which follow God's plan, that live and and exemplify godliness. And it's tempting for pastors to seek to please the sheep. Listen, pastors are like any other humans. We want to be liked, right? I don't know about you. Okay, I like to be liked, right? Pastors want to feel loved and appreciated, but at the end of the day, It isn't the job of a pastor to please people. At the end of the day, it's the job of a pastor to please the Lord. That's what he's called to do. 
It isn't a pastor's job also, by the way, to twist arms or reproduce parators of personal theology or say only what will keep people coming back and giving or grow some personal following. It is a pastor's job to carry out the role God has given him with a humble, godly heart. He is obedient. If he's obedient to the Lord, that's all that matters. If a pastor is obedient to the Lord, seeking to fulfill the roles that God has given him in a godly way, and people rally behind that and grow and change in the image of Christ, it brings great joy to a pastor's heart and it gives all glory to God. If they do not, if they turn against a pastor, what do pastors do? Well, first he must evaluate his own life before the Lord. And if he is living in a way that's pleasing God and seeking to do things God's way, it does not matter what others may say. There is nothing to prove and only one person to please. And that's something that isn't in the Bible, right? The principle is, that's not a, don't go find, that. don't look for that verse, nothing to prove, one person to please, okay? And that's something that, we, that all Christians we should remember in our hearts and lives, but it's especially true for the life of a pastor. I'm not here to, to prove anything. I'm not here to, to grow anything. I'm here to please the Lord. To do his work. And as pastors carry out their roles, we see from Scripture then what they're called to do. And this is where we'll be, this will be the last point of this message as we wrap up the responsibilities of a pastor. You're in 1 Peter chapter 5, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, well, let me back up even further. 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter. It's the last thing he wrote before he he was martyred. And he's writing to Timothy, the pastor, a young pastor in Ephesus, and his protege in the faith. And in chapter 3, Paul has has described all throughout that chapter what the last days will be like. And if you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, you think, wow, I mean, that sounds pretty familiar. And at the end of the chapter, Paul says that Timothy is to remain faithful to the word of God. And he gives those great two verses at the end of that 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 we probably all know and love, that all scripture is breathed out by God, right? It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be fully equipped to every good work. So then Paul continues in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is, in, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. What does Paul say the responsibility of a pastor? He is to preach God's word. Again, pastors and churches may do a lot of things and fill a lot of roles. As willing servants of the Lord, pastors ought to be willing to serve God's people and God's kingdom however they can. And certainly that's the call of every believer, but in particular, here are some things the Bible tells us pastors to do. Pastors are responsible to preach the word of God to the church that God has entrusted to them. From the earliest days of the church, there was a a premium placed on the word of God and those who were appointed to teach and preach the word of God. And here in 2 Timothy, Paul is charging Timothy, a young pastor, to preach God's word. So as with Timothy, pastors today are charged to make this ministry their primary focus, to preach the word of God. 
A pastor's primary responsibility is to feed God's sheep. Now, this is God's charge to his under-shepherds. It's the ultimate accountability, then, for, for any pastor isn't a board, a congregation, a denomination, or anything else. The ultimate accountability that a pastor has is to the Lord. Just to make it very personal, when I get up here and I give you the message of God's word, I answer to God for what I say to you. So pastors then must take care to obey the Lord in all things. Pastors must devote themselves to the ministry of the word. The text is clear. Paul says, preach the word. The word here is a reference to the Bible, to the entirety of the written word of God. It is a pastor's mission and mandate then to declare, thus says the Lord. He is the herald of God's word. There is a sign in my office. I heard somebody say this a long time ago, and I, I printed it out on my computer, and I put it out on my door. You probably see it if you've been in my office. You go out the door. It says this. There is little power in the preacher's word, but there is great power in God's word. So therefore, let God be magnified and glorified. You know what? That takes time. That takes preparation. That takes study and soaking in the word of God. Because handling the word of God is serious business. Mishandling the word of God has serious consequences. James reminds us of that, of the greater weight that teachers of God's word bear. In James chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. God does not take the mishandling of his word lightly. Those who deliberately twist scripture to serve their own ends and fit their own agendas will suffer great consequences. Pastors are called then to be ready to preach God's word Paul says when the time is opportune and when it is not. He says be ready in season and out of season. You know, there will be times and circumstances surrounding preaching that aren't ideal. Truth is not always readily accepted, right? And and furthermore, settings do not always seem suitable sometimes we feel for the word to go forth, yet pastors are called to continue preaching it when it feels like this is the best time or not. Because it is God's word that changes lives. So we preach the truth of God with the love of God, that lives may be changed to the glory of God. The preaching of the word should accomplish three things, Paul says. He says it should reprove, or it should uh, reprove sin. Now, the word there could also, I know the next word is also translated rebuke, but it could be rebuke as well, rebuke sin. And the idea is that there should be a, a conviction that's felt in hearts because of God's word being accurately and fully presented. The truth of God's word at times will make us uncomfortable because it points out sin in our lives. For someone who doesn't know the Lord, the truth that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, by faith alone, in him alone, that should make you uncomfortable. That if you, if you don't know that, this is where you'll spend eternity in hell, separated from God. That makes a sinner uncomfortable. As a Christian, when you hear the truth of God, when you read it in your own personal time, or you hear it proclaimed, and the conviction of God comes on your heart, it makes you uncomfortable that I've not been doing and not been doing the things that God has called me to do, or I am doing this that God says I shouldn't do. 
It makes us uncomfortable. It exposes our sin. And if we quit preaching and warning against sin, we have failed to preach the entire word of God. Secondly, the preaching of the word should not only rebuke sin, but it, it, should, rebuke the, it should rebuke the sinner and reprove him. It should not only expose, it should expose not only that we do sin, but we are sinners in need of a Savior. And after salvation, we have a flesh that, that loves still to sin. And so preaching must point the sinner to the only cure, that is the Savior, Jesus Christ. It must point believers to the Holy Spirit to whom we must submit and rely on to live for the glory of God. And then third, Paul says it should exhort the hearer. What that means is it should encourage us to make spiritual change in our hearts and lives. The calling of God on the life of a preacher is to not give people permission to leave as they came. We are called to come to God as we are that he may change us. And the calling of a, of a pastor, of one proclaiming the word of God, is to tell people, look, this is the, the problem that we have. And this is solution in Jesus Christ. When you hear the preaching of the word of God, it should challenge your heart and soul and life. It should convict you of sin and compel you to grow in the Lord. And all of this, Paul says, that you do should be done with Complete patience and teaching. Here is a fact. Working with people requires patience. Have you ever found that to be true? Whether they be the kids in your home, the co-workers at the office, the customers in the store, the parts you have to order, whatever it may be, these, working with people requires patience. As I said earlier, it's a right thing that God calls us sheep, right? Sometimes we're pretty stubborn, right? And I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm lumping myself in with that, okay? As God is patient with us and continues to teach us, so should pastors patiently teach the people that's entrusted to his care. These are God's people. Those who do not know the Lord are the ones God is seeking to save. So let pastors do the work of God with the love and grace of God. And so the basis of every pastor's ministry is the preaching of the word of God. If he does not preach God's word, his other responsibilities cannot be effectively accomplished. If a pastor does not proclaim this is what God says and does not preach the whole counsel of God, everything else he does crumbles on top. This is the foundation. This is the primary task. But there are other things that God calls us to do as pastors. And the second one here is to equip believers. In Ephesians, we began here today in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We'll go through verse 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We secondly see that pastors are given to the church that they may equip believers to do God's work. Pastors are called to help you in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Pastors are called to reach out to a lost and dying world. They are to be a witness and a testimony for the Lord in the, in the darkness that exists here. But understand this, primarily pastors exist to help believers. 
That's what Paul just said. They were given to the body of Christ, to the church. A pastor's primary ministry will always be then to the sheep of his local church. They're called to equip believers. As a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ, this is what you are called to do and to engage in the work of God. You are called to make disciples. You are called to walk in the spirit. You are called to give the gospel. You are called to study the word of God. You are called to pray. You are called to live for the glory of God. And your pastor is called to help equip you to do these things effectively in your spiritual life. He preaches God's word to help you grow and change. He practically instructs you in how to be effective in different facets of your Christian life that you may be used of God in a mighty way. And if you're going to be a Christian who lives in a way that pleases God, your pastor is going to be part of that in some way. We are called, each of us as a believer, are called to a personal responsibility and accountability before the Lord for the way we live, right? Your pastor cannot live your life for you, right? He cannot replace your personal relationship with God. And if the only time you read and study the Bible is when your pastor preaches, you're not living out a personal relationship with God in an effective way. If you believe that the only way to reach people with the gospel is to get your pastor to go visit them, then you're not being a witness for Christ, If you believe that discipling believers is a program that your pastor should be hosting at the church, you're not fulfilling the Great Commission. If you believe that prayer is only for spiritual leaders to undertake, you are beleaguering your own spiritual walk. And at the same time, pastors are given then to strengthen us in these things. A godly pastor is invested in you growing and changing in the Lord. Therefore, He seeks avenues of instructing you in the ways of God. Obviously, probably the primary one is we think of as Sunday morning services, right? That this is where the primary instruction of the corporate body of Christ uh, takes place. But then there's also individual times and smaller times that are part of that. And so pastors are a vital part of God's plan for the building up of believers because a pastor is responsible to help you grow spiritually. And then lastly today, what is a pastor called to do? What is the response of a pastor? He's called to care for God's people. And there's a lot of things we're going to put in this category, and probably a lot more that I don't say today. But we see this in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, as Paul is preparing to depart from Ephesus. He meets with the elders of the church that are there, and he says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. So Paul's instructing the overseers there of how they're to carry out their responsibilities in God's work. And he tells them to care for the flock of God. The, The word in Greek that you have translated there, care for the flock of God, literally means to act as a shepherd to the flock of God. This is once again the call for a pastor to shepherd the people God has placed in his care. He's to Reflect then the tender love and care that shepherds have for sheep and that God has for us. The primary work of a pastor is to feed the sheep, but that work doesn't stop there. And when you think of anything else a pastor might do, it probably falls into this category. 
but I'm going to, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of flesh out some of those. You know, pastors spend time in prayer for the people that God has placed in his care. God has called, we looked at the purposes of the church, God has called on the church to pray. Pastors lead in this area, bringing God's people before the throne of God. A godly pastor is one who prays not only for the spoken requests of the people under his care, but he also prays for and is burdened for the spiritual needs of those people. He brings them to before the throne of God. There are times when a pastor then prays with those people. Perhaps someone's in the hospital or facing a surgery or struggling through a difficult time. Pastors pray with those people. Why? Because they're helping to bear the burdens they have on their hearts and lives. And please don't, don't mistake this if the pastor says this magical incantation, you know, all your troubles float away like the bubbles, you know. But there is something about God has placed this pastor in your life to help you bear these burdens and to pray with you about them and seek the Lord's help. It is also a blessing to a pastor to also see others bearing these burdens and praying for one another. I just recently witnessed this um, that, that I looked out a couple weeks ago and I know as a pastor you know things are going on in people's lives and I watched two people at the back of the church just stand there and pray together it just it, it, it did such wonderful things for my heart to see people bearing one another's burdens together because as a pastor that's what I'm called to do to help in those ways and we together bear each other's burdens before the Lord What else do pastors do? Well, pastors meet with people entrusted to their care, seeking to help them in their spiritual walks. This may be to answer questions one has about the Bible and how to apply it to life. I get those. I love those texts or calls. Hey, I have a question about the Bible. Well, let's do that together. Let's unpack it together. Let's see what the Bible says. It may be to counsel someone who is struggling with a personal sin issue or to help in marital or family issues. But in the goal of all of these things, the goal of a pastor is to point God's people back to God's word so that God can do his great work in their lives. When you go to your pastor with something that's on your heart and life, he should be pointing you, okay, this is what God says. This is how, how we deal with it in God's way. Of course, pastors also make visits and call on people for the sake of encouragement or discipleship or outreach. Maybe that's to someone's home or out to lunch or otherwise. You know, when the pastor says, hey, let's get together and have lunch, it doesn't always mean you're in trouble, okay? You know, I think sometimes, like, oh, my goodness, you know? And in caring for God's people, pastors are seeking to care for the church. It is helping advance the mission of the church in the lives of believers and unbelievers alike. As an overseer, the people and the programs of any local church fall under the pastor's leadership. And again, that doesn't mean that a pastor oversees everything a church does, but he does equip people to serve the Lord in those capacities. It does mean, again, that a pastor is responsible for the Lord for what the church promotes or does. So, I know I've said your pastor, this and that, it's kind of been, but I'm just be very personal. Your pastor, that's me, cares for you very deeply. That's what pastors do. Pastor is invested in the spiritual health and well-being 
of all of those in the church seeking to help them grow in the Lord. He brings you before the throne of God, asking God to work in your life. He invests in your life through corporate worship and personal connection. He desires to seek to see you engage with the word of God, to obey the Lord and be a part of God's work by being a part of the local church. And one of the things that pastors have to come to grips with is something that we all have to understand and come to grips with, and that is this. No one can change another person and make someone else do what's right and godly. That's a frustrating thing sometimes, right? Maybe you've experienced that in your life. Especially if you're a parent, you're like, I'm just going to make you do something right. What it requires is it requires God's work and it requires a personal submission of that heart to the Lord. We rely on the Lord to do his work. And so it is a pastor's role as a shepherd to present the word of God in a way that is lovingly appropriate and then trust God to do his work. The last thing I have in this section here today as we close as how pastors care for God's people, you would see if you, if you continue to read in Acts chapter 20, you would see that, that Paul goes on to tell those elders that they are then responsible to protect the flock. Paul talks about he warns the elders about the wolves who would attempt to infiltrate the flock there in Ephesus. A pastor cares for the flock by guarding the flock from error. He must proclaim the truth of God's word, helping God's people develop discernment in their spiritual walks. He must take a stand against error when it is called for, warning people away from danger and exposing what is wrong. And this is, again, why I say it goes back to what is a pastor preaching and proclaiming? Because if you come into a church and you're not really sure what the church is preaching and proclaiming, and what, 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 if, if the word of God is not being held up as primary, it's easy for somebody to say, well, it really means this, and it really means that. But a pastor who preaches the word of God That is the base level for which people go, we're not going to get our error in here because God's word is being presented. Because that's the surest defense. Not what a guy says behind a pulpit, but what God says. That's what a pastor does. And again, perhaps you can make longer lists of what pastors do. Maybe you're going to argue for shorter lists. I don't know, okay? But a godly pastor is one who carries out God's calling in his life with a love for God's word, God's people, and God's work. He is called by God to lead God's people in conduct, serve God's mission and overseeing God's church, and minister to God's people as an under-shepherd of Jesus, the good shepherd. So as believers, we have a personal responsibility before the Lord for our actions and choices. Our walk with God is largely dependent on the individual decisions that we make regarding our submission to the things of God. At the same time, we must recognize the calling that God has placed in the lives of pastors to play an instrumental role in our lives in the area of our spiritual walks. Pastors are ordained by God to preach the word. They're called to proclaim and explain what the word of God means and help to apply it to our hearts and lives. So we need a desire that pastors tell us not what, we, what they think we want to hear, but what God says we need to hear. And let's be thankful for the faithful preachers of God's word we have had the opportunity to hear from in our lives. As you look out a room like this on a Sunday morning, it's not 
unreasonable to say that in a room like this, because we have all been in churches, many of us in this room have been in churches growing up, we've been at conferences or camps, or th- there are probably a hundred, maybe hundreds of pastors represented that have touched our lives in one way or another. We should be thankful for those faithful pastors that God has put in our lives. You know, we, you, you may say the name and nobody ever knows who that is, but they were faithful. That's what God values. Pastors are called to oversee God's church. A local body of believers needs a leader. It needs someone who will set the course of that body and direct that body to do the work of God. This is the job of a pastor. He will answer to God for the direction and actions of the ministry under his guidance. And so as I mentioned last week, I'd mention again, please pray for pastors to be devoted to the things of God that they may see, do, see God do great things in the lives of his people. As expected, when there is a leader, there are others responsible to take part in the church. And we'll look at those things in the coming weeks. But it is vital, first and foremost, to understand that pastors care for and instruct believers in the ways of God. So the local church can be what God calls it to be. Godly leaders play a part in God's plan to produce godly people who serve the kingdom of God to the glory of God. Father, thank you for the day you've given us and the opportunity to open the word of God and study it again today. Lord, as we unpack the truth here today, we again give you praise and thanks for pastors that we have had the opportunity to be ministered to in our lives. Or perhaps we, in our frailty, could only recall a couple of names of those people should we try to recite them. Perhaps we can only pick out one or two who really stand out. But Lord, for every faithful pastor, we have had the opportunity to be fed under, to hear the word of God from. We thank you for that. We pray for them. That today you would bless and honor and reward them for their faithfulness. Lord, we ask that you would help pastors to stay faithful to the word of God. We need the work of God in our, uh, in our country, in our personal lives. Lord, if that's going to happen, it's going to start with pastors who are faithful to preach the word of God. We ask that you would do a work in the hearts of believers, that you would revive our hearts, that you would help us to be consumed with living for the kingdom of God. You would do a great and mighty work through us. Lord, please expose our sinful choices and decisions. The apathy we have towards doing right. The bold-faced, outright denial of making wise biblical choices. Expose these things in our hearts and lives and may we be willing to submit to and follow you and Lord we pray that Beaverton Baptist Church be a place that's growing and changing for your honor and your glory and has an impact on our community we ask as we close our service today 
you would continue your work in our hearts. Your name we pray.